You're listening to New Philly Land Trust was promised dozens of homes. How's it going? By Mayor Rindy. Brought to you by Fannie Mae. A ribbon cutting for two newly renovated row homes on Westmont Street in North Philadelphia last December marked a victory for local homeless activists. It had been well over a year since the launch of protests that had led to a historic agreement to give them ownership of unoccupied houses. Homeless families were finally moving in, and the properties were being handed over to the newly established Philadelphia Community Land Trust. It's a blessing, said Paul Noel, one of the new residents. You pray, and God, he hears your prayers. Key participants in the negotiations were on hand to celebrate the move-ins, including the city's managing director and the CEO of the Philadelphia Housing Authority, or PHA. Yet one of the most important players was absent, Jennifer Benich, the outspoken activist and homeless encampment organizer whose years of dogged advocacy had led to this moment. Benich had spent the last few weeks raising money, getting insurance for the homes, and preparing for the transfers, but was too sick from the lingering effects of a COVID infection to attend the celebration. In a GoFundMe fundraising appeal a few weeks earlier, she'd written, I have been quietly dealing with the bureaucracy behind the scenes while my own life is also falling apart. I was deathly ill over the summer and am still healing. Please help us house individuals who don't qualify for typical housing programs in a non-restrictive private home. The 36-year-old Benich died two months later, leaving behind three children and a grieving community of friends, admirers, and fellow activists. Ruth Burchett is a Philadelphia Community Land Trust board member and a longtime affordable housing advocate. That was hard. I mean, Jim was like my daughter, and just going through her sickness and then planning her funeral, it was horrible for all of us. In the months that followed, Burchett and other board members got fully up to speed on the various demands of running the land trust, some of which Benich had been handling personally, fundraising, strategic planning, establishing nonprofit status, negotiating with the PHA to receive additional homes, and pressuring the city of Philadelphia, which they feared might be reneging on a separate agreement to give the trust many more properties. Burchett emphasized that the land trust, PCLT, has always been a collective effort. But she also said Benich was a uniquely driven leader, the go-to girl for the trust and the larger movement it is part of. That girl's a genius. We all pace with her if we had skates on. <laughs> Board member and community organizer Dan Moffat says Benich was the only person who had a hand in every part of the work, as became clear after her death. She would not always consult with all of us about what she was doing with the land trust. So picking it up, there was a little bit of like, okay, where are we at, you know? <laughs> And we were not part of that process with her, like the details about like the legal entity. Her passage was very disruptive in our lives and, and also in this, this process. It, it did skip a few beats while we were putting her in the ground. The group is now working to realize Benich's vision of a sprawling, independent housing cooperative operated and occupied by formerly homeless people as an alternative to what she saw as the controlling or even coercive shelter options provided by government and foundation-funded organizations. PCLT board members have a major undertaking ahead as they try to ensure that the Philadelphia Housing Authority and the city live up to their promises. 
the board needs to gain control of several dozen more vacant homes and find substantial funds to rehabilitate and maintain the units while working not to stray from Benich's ideals. They continue to hope, as she did, that their organization inspires a larger movement of collectively owned, permanently affordable housing that operates outside of the current piecemeal system of tax breaks, subsidies, inclusionary zoning programs, time-limited HUD contracts, and other efforts to influence the private market. We're trying to operate from this place and like honor the work that was done where it's like, no, at a certain point, we need to take housing off of the market and administer it as a community. And like that's the way that you actually start to deal with housing crisis. Escalating protests. Benich's aversion to conventional public housing and her fierce dedication to the idea of a land trust stemmed from her personal experiences with welfare systems. As a girl, she lived in foster care, according to Moffat, and after aging out, she was homeless for seven years. She was acutely aware of the inadequacy of housing options for people with little or no income. By 2016, she was taking college classes and living with her family in North Philadelphia, next door to properties owned by the PHA. After a series of run-ins with the authority's in-house police force, she began investigating the authority, attending board meetings, and insistently demanding policy changes. She started Occupy PHA and called for the authority to change the markings on officers' uniforms and vehicles so that people would understand they were not city police. As she learned more about the PHA, she began to see it as a force for gentrification and displacement rather than for addressing the city's shortage of deeply affordable homes. Driving around her neighborhood, she constantly noticed vacant PHA properties and kept a list that soon ran to hundreds of addresses. She saw the authority auctioning off properties that could have housed low-income black Philadelphians but instead ended up redeveloped into housing for Temple University students and other market-rate tenants. The PHA said it needed to sell older properties to raise badly needed funds for new construction and capital projects, but she was not convinced. In April 2019, Benich and a friend set up tents outside the PHA's new $45 million headquarters in North Philadelphia. Their protest had several targets, including the authorities' Sharswood-Blumberg Choice Neighborhoods Transformation Plan, a $500 million development program that involved taking nearly 1,300 properties by eminent domain. Benich also demanded that the PHA follow their acquired civil court process when it wants to evict squatters, rather than using its police force to simply kick people out. The small camp was cleared after 42 days, but Benich and her comrades were just getting started. The onset of the pandemic intensified Philadelphia's homeless crisis, with several dozen people sleeping outdoors around Center City. In March 2020, Benich and other activists moved about 50 people into 12 vacant PHA properties, and in June they helped set up a highly visible 150-person tent encampment, Camp JTD, on a ball field along a major downtown thoroughfare. She later set up a smaller encampment, Camp Teddy, on a lot designated for the Sharswood Project, and protested outside the home of PHA CEO Kelvin Jeremiah. At a press conference, Benich explained the motivations behind setting up the encampments. She said, The ultimate goal is for the housing authority to license use of their long-term vacant, boarded-up properties that they're going to sell off to developers anyway for them to be put into use as a community land trust. 
We just want to use the houses that the government has already designated to be used for low-income housing for low-income housing. It's really pretty simple. For four months, Benich and other movement representatives engaged in often contentious negotiations with city and PHA officials. The city set dates to clear the encampments three times, only to repeatedly hold off. In October, as winter approached and the PHA faced a critical deadline to break ground on the Sharswood site, the two sides finally reached an agreement that called for the land trust to receive 59 homes. In exchange for the closing of the smaller Camp Teddy, the PHA would give the trust nine properties on Westmont Street, including the home Paul Knowles' family would later move into. As part of the larger Camp JTD closure, the authority agreed to eventually hand over another 25 houses from closed rental assistance demonstration transactions for a total of 34 PHA properties. Separately, the city promised to provide 25 properties from its land bank and other departments. There were other commitments as well. PHA funding of the first seven building rehabilitations, about 14 spots in newly rehabbed shared housing units, and construction job training for encampment residents. Separately, the city moved 50 homeless people into a rapid rehousing program, which has since grown to 239 participants, and announced plans to build two tiny home villages. The deals were highly controversial among homeless activists and encampment residents, some of whom suddenly found themselves back on the street. Many thought the agreement gave Mayor Jim Kenney, the PHA, and homeless services officials good press in exchange for not doing much, especially in the short term. Some expressed doubts that the promised housing units would ever materialize. Bennett reportedly maintained that the nine-home Camp Teddy deal was a good one, but came to regret the bigger Camp JTD agreement. She later told a reporter for Philadelphia magazine, At the time, I didn't realize how bad that deal was. I don't know if I would do that again. Earning Respect One of Benich's most consequential accomplishments may have been the respect she and the land trust won from the PHA's top brass. While they had initially dismissed her during board meetings and sent police to clear her protests, the authority did eventually change officers' uniforms and cars and make the police complaint process more transparent, as she had demanded. Calvin Dermar said that to me. He, he saw that what she was requesting and what she was bringing forward is something that they hadn't thought about, and, and, and it really made sense. While Jeremiah called for closure of the encampments, he also praised the protesters, saying they were doing a masterful job of raising awareness of the need for more affordable housing. When negotiations broke down, he quietly reached out to Benich to offer the homes for the land trust. Jeremiah and the PHA's attorney even established something like a friendship with Benich, according to Burchett and Moffat. Jeremiah did not respond to interview requests, but Burchett says the officials sent Bennett special food when she was ill, eulogized her after she died, and kept in touch to see how her family was doing. They have reached out to me on a number of occasions uh, just to check in about the children and to reinforce the fact that they are committed to doing everything they said that they're going to do. They have engaged the land trust because they wanted to succeed and they want to keep their word. With the help of donated union labor, including apprentices recruited from the encampments, the PHA moved ahead with renovations of seven of the nine Westmont Street homes. The authority transferred two to the trust last fall 
and began moving the others through a HUD review process for disposition. Before her passing, Benich was also working to identify the other properties for transfer, with mixed success. Moffat says the PHA worked with her to pull together a list of 25 suitable authority-owned units, but the city was less helpful in identifying the 25 homes it had committed to transfer. City employees took her on several tours of properties, but she found that many were actually vacant lots and others were occupied. She saw a few that might be worth transferring, but she thought the city was operating in bad faith and the process was a waste of her time, according to Moffat. Her communication with city officials stalled and broke down. On the day of the Westmont Street ribbon-cutting, Benich responded angrily to comments from the city's homeless services director, Liz Hirsch, who had touted Philadelphia's efforts to assist homeless people. Benich wrote on GoFundMe, The city is lying. They have not delivered and stopped communicating in February after taking us to a bunch of houses they did not even own. Hirsch refused an interview request, but the city admitted in an email that the initial property list was inaccurate. Staff subsequently began taking more care to vet properties before offering them to the land trust, according to a city spokesperson. In an email, the spokesperson said, The lists were presented in good faith, and the city remains committed to working with the trust to fulfill the goals of the agreement. Philosophical Struggles The October 2020 agreement envisioned PCLT obtaining most of the properties within six months. The board members say that, in retrospect, that timeline was unrealistic, due both to the city's foot-dragging and the land trust's need to build its organizational capacity. The board members contrast themselves to the Moms for Housing activists in Oakland, California, who worked with a long-established organization, Oak CLT, to acquire a single home they were occupying. That was not infrastructure that needed to be built. I've talked to them, and it took them years to put that together to put the organization together, to be able to be in a position to step in and do that. And that's sort of the work that we're continuing. Moffat notes that Philadelphia officials included a clause in the agreement requiring Benich to purchase insurance for the homes, which in turn required fundraising, before PCLT could accept them. He says you could make the argument that they were setting her up to fail and never had any real intention of fulfilling their end of the bargain. The activists have also struggled with philosophical objections to creating a formal corporate structure. I think Jen was very suspicious of being a nonprofit and, and never was comfortable with it to her last days. She always talked about trying to maybe make it an LLC or something like that. Benich eventually gave in so the trust could accept properties without accumulating tax bills, which could burden the tenants or force PCLT to depend too much on government or foundation grants. Jen was very focused on self-reliance and self-help. As a person who herself was in that situation and wanted to see people do better for themselves, she was very careful to avoid creating a situation of dependence and institutionalization. Given that PCLT may need millions of dollars over the next few years to renovate its properties, some of which are dilapidated or have been unoccupied for decades, the board members say they are actively looking for donors and have gotten certification to accept housing vouchers. Moffat says he's looking forward to hiring permanent staff, while Burchett argues the city should also help fund the organization, despite Benich's skepticism about such assistance. There are certain things where if Jen was alive today, she would probably be yelling at us about how we're trying to go about it. Maybe the reality is that 
there is not a great model for community ownership that exists in the law today. That is maybe like work that has yet to be done by the broader social justice housing movement to come up with and articulate and enact. The larger PCLT community continues to engage in other housing activism. Some of those who organize the encampments are now fighting to save the UC townhomes, an affordable complex in West Philadelphia that is slated to be sold. They also continue to defend families who are squatting in vacant PHA properties. Earlier this year, when police were trying to evict two households who lived in units near the authorities' headquarters, activists intervened and PHA helped the families find other housing, Moffat says. Advocates for the homeless are also watching warily as the city slowly advances plans for its first tiny home villages. Moffat and Burchett are dismissive, saying Benich scorned tiny homes as poor substitutes for regular housing. One of the communities will apparently be a complex of mid-sized apartments for seniors in West Philadelphia. The other will be reserved for older women and consist of 120-square-foot pods on city land in North Philadelphia. It is unclear when construction will begin. But one of the land trust's main focuses these days is holding the city accountable to its promise to transfer 25 properties. Burchett says Benich was last shown properties in January 2021, and efforts to meet with city officials this past summer didn't go anywhere. Moffitt finally met with them at the end of September and discussed how to get the transfers going before Mayor Kenny leaves office at the end of 2023. But Moffitt said he was annoyed that the officials showed up without a list of potentially transferable properties, which he had expected to see at the meeting, which further delayed the process. The public needs to will know that they have done nothing to honor that agreement. And if they think because Jennifer Bennett is no longer with us that they're off the hook, they got another thought coming. And we still got tense. Thanks for listening. For more stories like this, please visit shelterforce.org.